Hi, welcome to Silent Symptoms, a Black mental health podcast. I am real host, Katasso Fridge, a Florida-based therapist. This podcast focuses on mental health, stigmas, and social injustices that affect the Black community. This podcast was created to bring awareness about mental health and can be used as an educational guide, but this is not to be used as a replacement for seeking help from a therapist. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to another episode of uh, Silent Symptoms, a Black Mental Health Podcast. With me today, I have Brooke Nicole Campbell. Um, Brooke is actually on the Senior Policy Advisor Team for Access and Eligibility Services in the state of Texas. Prior to Brooke's uh, position, she worked as a disability um, specialist for over 10 years, helping individuals with mental and physical disabilities, you know, receive social services benefits. She also has a master's degree in public administration um, with a legal and judicial concentration. So in the beginning of 2018, um, she launched a, a blog called Harmony Mental Health to increase awareness of mental health issues, to advocate for mental uh, health care benefits, and to decrease the shame of mental health treatment in minority communities. So I felt like, you know, Brooke would be perfect for this specific podcast because when I talked to her, I initially reached out to her because um, I saw her blog. And I wanted to know more information about what she was doing in the black community because I have a passion for mental health and what people are doing to bring awareness to everything that we've been going through as a black community, you know? So I thought she was super perfect because her story about, you know, how she went from a patient to passion, basically meaning that um, she got treatment for her mental illness and then she turned that to a passion and she wanted to reach out to the masses. So I felt like, awesome, we have to collaborate and talk about what's really going on in the community. So Brooke, can you provide us with a little bit of a background of who you are and what led you to seek help for your mental health? Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Um, a little bit about me, I'm originally from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I've lived in Austin, Texas for most of my adult life. I went to University of Texas at Austin, uh, majored in government, have a master's in public administration. And what really kind of got me into mental health and just thinking back to like as a child, being super nervous, shy, anxious, having obsessive thoughts and, and de- like not really being able to deal with situations mm-hmm. the way I wanted to. Right. But um, like my career led me to it, working as a disability specialist, like I said, for 10 years, I worked mm-hmm. with doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, um, even physical doctors, internal medicine, the whole spectrum. And so we analyzed... Right. Um, mental status exams, neuropsych evaluations, and I could identify with a lot of the symptoms and signs that the patients and uh, disability applicants were going through. So yes. I, I decided myself to like, okay, um, this is really interesting, first mm-hmm. of all. And I really enjoyed learning about the human mind, the human experience, thoughts and feelings, and mm-hmm. like why we do what we do, what dictates our actions and kind of motivates us. So. Right. Um, just as far as career wise, 
Um, I've always just had a passion for helping people, for um, trying to get people to a better station in life, place in life. So mm-hmm. um, as far as, yeah, career, uh, that's where I felt led as far as like my passion to is just helping people. Right. So when you first, I mean, you work with a whole lot of patients who, who deal with mental health and physical disabilities. And when you could ad- identify with them, how did your family receive the fact that you were going to go see a psychiatrist and therapist? Because, you know, in the black community, it's such a taboo to actually go seek assistance and seek help for any type of mental illness. It's like, no, there's nothing wrong with you. Like we can deal with this at home. There's no way. Why do you have to see a therapist? Why do you need a psychiatrist? What's going on with you? So they kind of look at you sideways. How did your family kind of receive it or your friends or anyone that you shared the information with? So that's absolutely right. Like pray about it. <laughs> right. You're like in, the, in the black community. But God is with my, you. Like God exactly. is <laughs> pray through it. I that's just, it. I just had that conversation today actually, but <laughs> um <laughs> But as far as like family, so we didn't talk about it growing up and um, it wasn't even a thought to even go get help or seek treatment or that that was even an option. It wasn't mm-hmm. even like something that people even considered because right. it was so um, growing up, I would see like family members and like I told my mom, she told me today, she was like, don't put the family business out in the street. You know, how like, <laughs> yeah. I can't yeah. say specifically yeah. who. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be so telling she, people our business and that's business. the thing. Like, <laughs> so, everything has to be on hush mode. This ha- You can't tell yeah. the masses because no way. Like, this is family business. What happens inside the house, you can't take it outside that door. Right. So, mm-hmm. but growing up, I would see different family members or people going through things and it not being talked about, addressed, or like no one was helping them get treatment, assessment, nothing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and so when I personally, myself, um, decided it. My family, my mom was like, why? You know, you can come talk to me, right? I'm right. Like, no, not really, because that's why I'm doing. <laughs> Mom, you but, can't prescribe me any medication. You right. can't give me advice. It's biased. Right. I'm like, I know you love me, but I mean, I, this, this requires some professional help. But right. um, yeah, so, but as far as friends, I have friends that are like counselors, therapists, and mm-hmm. like co-workers who had gone through therapy. Mm-hmm. And so, as far as them they were supportive or they encouraged it actually referred me to some people mm-hmm. and um as i opened up more talking to my friends about it i realized more and more of them had gone or had therapy or counseling but we just didn't talk about it like mm-hmm. so as i started talking about that i went to go to therapy or counseling they're like hey i back when i was going through my divorce or was going through this i actually or as a child i went to therapy and counseling but i would have never known that had i not like said hey i'm going through some things i want to mm-hmm. actually go see a therapist so yeah some people were receptive and um some people were like well i didn't know something was wrong with you yeah <laughs> it's like oh why are you saying that? Why do you think it's, there's something wrong with me? And, you know, from my experience, you know, as a therapist and seeing people on a regular basis besides my job, a lot of people do display symptomology of mental health and people feel like, well, 
I just need to just let it go because this too t- shall pass. Like we can deal with <laughs> the situation. And, you know, if I do go to therapy or if I do see a psychiatrist, there is something wrong with me. And I don't want anyone to think something is wrong with me. So I'm not going to share this with my mom. I'm not going to share with this with my cousins or my family members. I'm just going to work through this, see my therapist or psychiatrist because I don't want to be judged. Because we aren't supposed to tell other people who aren't in our family our business about what we have going on internally. And, you know, I can relate to people saying that, I don't really want to talk about this situation or I want to keep it to myself or, you know, you could talk to me. I'm your mom. I'm your sister. I'm your cousin. Why do you feel like you can't come to me? And, you know, it feels like it's beyond that scope. Right. You know, seeking that professional help. How, how did you feel, though, on your first appointment or going out there for the first time? So I wasn't used to opening up about my feelings because growing up, it was like, uh, you know, what are you crying about? I'll give you something to cry about, like, or mm-hmm. nothing's mm-hmm. wrong with you. Stop, you know, stop crying or whatever. So the feelings weren't validated or we, I wasn't encouraged to have extreme emotions. Like, right. Mm-hmm. So I was actually really anxious about going to a therapist and talking to a therapist and verbalizing these thoughts and emotions that I had like bottled up inside all this time because mm-hmm. I really didn't know how to. And the crazy thing is, for lack of a better word, like I was scared of being judged by that therapist or, like, mm. thinking like that I was going to mm-hmm. say something off the wall that they've never heard before. <laughs> they were <laughs> like, this, yeah. Like, this girl is crazy. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but yeah, and just really letting out all those thoughts and feelings that I had just contained all that time it was, yeah. it was tough to really take that leap because I had been thinking about it for a long time going um, and my primary care physician actually recommended I go but to actually take that leap and step it was like it really have anxiety about it like right going to talk to somebody and yeah verbalizing like what's going on yeah <laughs> that was, and you have that to was Yeah, and you have to do some type of introspection because somebody else is actually going to have a glass mirror they can see into your life so clearly and, you know, open your eyes up to things that you didn't even know about yourself. And I think that may be like the most scary part to come to share with people about your entire life. Like, am I being judged? Like, what does she think about me? Like, how is she going to receive me the next time I come back? You Mm -hmm. know? And most people don't know. As therapists, we've probably heard it all. So whatever you come to the table with, we've already heard it. And, you know, people seek that validation Mm -hmm. from from somebody who has no bias. You know what I mean? So with all that, you know, the knowledge that you gain from seeing a psychiatrist and, you know, a therapist, um... How did that impact your life? How did they that encourage you to pursue mental health advocacy? So, um, actually, finding a therapist it was interesting. Like, and I uh, described to friends as like dating. So, okay. Like, I tried out a few, like, well, a couple. I did my research, and I encourage people to like um, do their um, research ahead of time, look it up, absolutely, insurance and things like that. And that's a whole nother issue we can get into insurance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you may end up with that high bill that you oh weren't expecting. Oh my God, I'm dealing yes. with that right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, whew, so, Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes they don't tell you they're not forthcoming about, you know, the bill that you're going to have to pay, you know? Yeah. Or they don't know. Okay, so my therapist, she's starting, just started her practice and she's starting to get with insurance companies. And I've actually called some therapists who say they don't work with insurance companies because it's such a pain. And so, mm-hmm. and, and that's 
going into why I want to be an advocate and, and provide information is because navigating these systems can be really difficult. And if you're dealing mm -hmm. with a mental issue on top of that, the stress and depression, and then you got to deal yeah. with insurance companies and you don't have time. You, you don't have, have the bandwidth emotional, yeah. like, you know, to oh deal with the stress that it comes with. And when you do call some of the, you know, insurance companies, you're on hold for like 45 minutes. So anxiety goes from here yeah. up to the roof, trying to figure yourself out. Like, am I going to be able to see my therapist and how am I going to afford to pay this out of pocket if I do get charged, you yeah. know? And I do agree with you, like, there has to be some policy in place uh, for people to be able to get some type of assistance. I know depending on whether a person is in private practice or working for a nonprofit agency, um, they have people who actually check your information out if you come in beforehand or give them the paperwork, and they'll yeah. tell you if they're able to, you know, accept your insurance or not. If somebody's starting out, yeah, that is a difficult place for them because they don't know. They may think that, you know, they accept your specific insurance and then the, the claim gets denied and they're not on the panel. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that is a difficult <laughs> place to be in. Yeah. So, and I like what you said about, you know, shopping around to see um, which therapist you like. Um, I always say before someone goes to a therapist research, and even if you do meet up with that person, you have to see if you guys are compatible to see like, are you guys on the same wavelength? Cause you can, you know, they can have the characteristics, but when you are, conversing with them actually yeah y'all don't them. get along or you guys are not clicking and it's okay to say okay this is not going to work for me let me start over with somebody else that may be on the same wavelength or on the same mindset as me yeah and what's good with the two the couple that i didn't actually talk to a few on the phone um <clears throat> is they give you like a free mini session the first time yeah, the console try to fill out that vibe and um and I liken it to like speed dating. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you can say, okay, Definitely. this isn't going to work. Or mm -hmm. like, you know, okay, I feel you. This is, you know, you just, you know, when you know. And um, mm -hmm. as far as how therapy, I feel that it's helped so thus far. And it is a process. And it is like mm -hmm. really kind of slowly um, I'm ingraining it in my life because 30 plus years of like mental, emotional um, immaturity or mm -hmm. mental, emotional, just not knowing how to express myself, it's going to take time. And this yeah. is try to what I tell my friends too. So I've been able to verbalize more, better communication with my family, friends, um, mm -hmm. just more confidence. I've been a pretty confident person before, but right. like learning to control, not go from like zero to 60 anger wise. Cause that's how I was before. Like, okay. because I di didn't, couldn't identify like the in-between phases, like disappointment, frustration, Mm -hmm. And just really identifying those emotions and able to like process them, acknowledge them, process them, and then say, okay, this is what I'm feeling and not right. bottle them up and then explode, like shaking a Coke bottle yeah. and all the stuff is going That's on it. and you twist off the top and then Goes So everywhere. now, <laughs> now I can say, okay, this is what I'm feeling. And I can verbalize it better to like, even in love relationships or mm -hmm. like family relationships, work relationships handling criticism better just yes. so and I've actually been able to like my friends have seen a noticeable difference in me and I've actually encouraged some friends to go to therapy like black male friends that you know yes, where absolutely. They're, they're encouraged to be hyper masculine or yes. not um open up about their emotions I've actually encouraged some of them to go to therapy so it's been That's really perfect. positive
It is. It is. I think most people, too, they feel like, um, you know, uh, there's something wrong with me. I'm not supposed to express these feelings. I'm supposed to be a man. Like, men know how to verbalize things. Men know how to handle themselves. So, no, it's not okay for me to cry. No, it's not okay for me to express my emotions because that makes me less of a man. And I just love the fact that you're providing that encouragement. We need more of that. And, you know, yeah. having this hyper-masculinity and, you know, this false sense of being strong and handling yourself is what is destroying the black community and black men yeah. you know and i feel like everyone needs to be a part of it and have to you know see the elevation and growth so with you learning all this stuff from you know you being a client so how has that helped you to become a mental health advocate so um that evolved from last year like okay. 2017 was really rough for me okay um i was in my previous job and i just felt stagnant i felt um, uninspired and I mean I was mm. helping people and I was I enjoyed talking with the doctors psychiatrists psychologists analyzing mm. the mental status exams but I, I knew I wanted more and I knew that mm. I wasn't completely fulfilling my passion so and then there was some other stuff family stuff and other relationship stuff that wasn't good fulfilling and mm -hmm. fulfilling in 2017 actually there was a lot of bad stuff going on in 2017 okay. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I need to change. I need to, I need more in life. So, and actually last year is when I met a counselor friend, a friend who's a counselor, a friend who's a therapist, and just talking to them about what they do, how they help people, mm. and talking to them about my issues, just them being friends, and then their counselor, therapist mode kicks in. And yeah. So I'm like, huh. <laughs> I'm like you, you know, these women are amazing, and they're yeah. really helping people, and mm -hmm. I just started doing more and more research on my own about, um, therapy, psychology, counseling, listen to a lot of self-help, audio books, um, psychology books, emotional intelligence 2.0. Yes, really, yes. <laughs> really reading, listening to stuff, NPR, listen to NPR all the time, on your brain, those different little shows. And stuff. Mm -hmm. I just really, I said, wow, this is, like, I already do this stuff at work. And I'm like, wow, I can really make a turn difference this into something yeah. yeah i could really influence people and i started looking on blogs and looking on instagram like people are doing this i was like yeah. i can do this yeah <laughs> i was like and i love this I was mm -hmm. like, you know what i'm gonna start spreading the word so i mean it, it was a slow go process because i was definitely battling depression last year and like really struggling with some like drinking too much and just I, but that's when i was like okay i need a change i yeah. need to work on myself and so mm -hmm. Earlier this year, I started the blog and well, started the Instagram first, and the blog just got going. Harmony Mental Health, yes, and the blog is mentalharmony.info. But um, I said, this is—I really think God put this in my life, and like, yes, I found my passion because I was like, I was definitely drowning in just uh, not being motivated and not really knowing where my direction was, and then yeah. I'm like, okay. I can this help people. I be. I'm mm -hmm. passionate about this. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, yeah, I can spread the word, spread information, knowledge. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, I'm here for this. <laughs> yes. And I just love that because, you know, a lot of people think like, I'm not 
license. I'm not in this field. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. I have no place in this. We all have a place in this. We all know family members that are struggling with mental health issues. We all know friends that are struggling with day-to-day things. So Mm -hmm. what have you done to impact them in their life by a simple word, by sharing information, by Mm -hmm. referring them to a therapist? It's just the little things that people actually do that plant seeds to make something grow, like a nice little plant. So, you know, I'm glad that, you know, you decided to be this advocate because a lot of people who have these struggles that they've dealt with, they have more of an impact on somebody else's life because people can relate and say, there are more people out there like me. There are other people who have done this, who have fought through it. So I can actually, you know, help. Mm-hmm. So and talking to a doctor or therapist can be intimidating for some people. Yes. There's actually programs out there like peer to peer support groups with people coming out of prison with mental health issues and mm. or even veterans with mental health issues. Yes. The government has programs and working for health and human services and um, access and eligibility. I get to see all these programs that are provided were, and out there. And you were so, able to refer people out? Well, give them the information. I'm, okay. I'm not an eligibility. I work on the policy team now, so okay. I'm not actually, de- de- I don't determine the eligibility anymore. Okay. But, so yeah, I can give them the resources to where they can go apply. And work being on the board for the Urban League, the Austin area Urban League Young Professionals. I did a mental health panel earlier this year, April, mm-hmm. and I'm doing another one in November. So basically what we did is I got together a, a team of counselors, and they were on my panel, and I moderated it. And it was geared toward working young professionals and the stress of professional life, like when to know if you're being overworked or the microaggression you deal with at work or just yes. learn, learning the spot, like, okay, um, is, is this more than just a sadness? Am I depressed? Am I anxious? Mm-hmm. Or do I have a substance abuse issue? Um, right. So we had, um, you know, we talked about like the statistics of mental health and then mm-hmm. um, had the panel talk about what they do mm-hmm. and then had the, um, the audience asked questions. It was really good, really a great conversation. So I'm going to do it again in November. Okay. Because I feel like we need it. We're, we're such on this every day. Everybody's on this grind every yes, day. Every single so day. so busy. And like, if we don't take a moment to stop and think, okay, am I okay? Am I really okay right now? Yeah. Am I, am I just functioning day to day? Am I, am I taking those self-care tips that I've posted on my wall? Or am exactly. I taking the time to listen to my body? I'm drained. I've worked 45 hours this week, but I've done it every other week. But you know, you have to know Not and listen <laughs> Exactly. And most people don't <laughs> listen to the signs because you carried on for so long in the same mannerism. So I'm fine. I'm okay. Yeah. I'm, I have a little fever or, you know, my body's aching, but every, everything is fine. And a lot of people don't take the time to uh, reflect, especially professionalists, um, professionalists. Hello, professionals. You know, we always talk about self-care. That's always number one. And learning how to spot the burnout. And it's important that your panel was discussing how do you look at yourself as a professional? Do you take care of yourself? Because if I'm on zero, how am I going to be able to give my clients or patients myself 100%? You know? So within the Austin area, Urban League Young Professionals, like what is your role? How did you come about with all of this? I've actually been volunteering with the Urban League for like five years now, or even maybe even six, Um, Mm -hmm. but in different capacities. I was a community outreach chair at one point, and um, this year I was a social chair, and now I'm the membership chair. So 
I've always wanted to volunteer, always been volunteering like with the National Black MBA and various or, or different organizations in the community. But as far as the Urban League, I like it because it, it reaches young professionals. It connects people and we actually get out there in the community and register, register people to vote and various wow. other things. And so when I got really passionate about mental health, I saw this as a perfect avenue to reach mm -hmm. a lot of people, a lot of young yes. professionals. Because this is kind of my market, my niche. Like, I wish somebody got to me when I was younger. Like, am I starting off in my professional career to really, you know, provide me this information and resources to get help if I needed to? Because there mm -hmm. were definitely times I was burnt out. Like, I called in work because I just mentally could not do it. And, mm -hmm. like, I was just laying in bed. I, and <laughs> I wish <laughs> I would have known about this stuff or how to get help, treatment, or self-care tips. But yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm using the Urban League as a way to spread my message. Yeah, <laughs> definitely because that's why I wanted to know like how are they helping you? You know, help the masses. So when you guys are getting together, so do you promote mental health? What are you promoting within the Urban League? Because I I know they have their own you know ideas mission. as to how they want and their mission statement. Yeah. So how do you fit into that picture? So the Urban League actually does have a great mission and mental health definitely aligns with that mission. Mm -hmm. um, basically, they're the empowering community and the Urban League, the National Urban League is, a, um, we're their affiliate as the young professionals. The National Urban League actually provides like assistance for home care mm -hmm. and things like that and actually employs people. Now the um, young professionals, they're an um, auxiliary group that raises money for the Urban League and young professionals are like straight out of college to age 40. and mm -hmm. um, so we all volunteer and it, it, it brings you to these young new faces that are fresh out of college that are yes. you know, still trying to find their way, which mm -hmm. can be very stressful. <laughs> and so, Navigating. Yeah, navigating. Mental health plays an absolute foundation, um, crucial, vital role in that. Like mm -hmm. being of sound mind and emotion can help further your career in so many ways because mm -hmm. And that's why another reason why I decided to seek treatment. I was like, I know I want to do so much more. And in order to do that, I need to really get a hold on my emotions. And right. So, that's early, perfect. Yeah, I've definitely been able to leverage my um, role and my influence <laughs> and um, uh, spread my word and message and my passion. Yeah, and, and bring, bring awareness. I know that we also spoke about um, the NAMI walk in Austin mm -hmm. coming up on September 29th. Yes. So um, tell us a little bit about that. So people who are in the Austin area, people who are in Dallas or Texas in general, want to know how they can support you to bring awareness to that. Let me pull up this link. <laughs> but um, so on the <laughs> September 29th, um, NAMI, which is the National Alliance for Mental Illness, mm -hmm. they're doing a walk, and they do it in a lot of major cities. It's basically a fundraiser to help them with their efforts to provide services and information. And I actually mm -hmm. had NAMI out at my panel in April, and I plan to bring them out again. Um, they provide different resources, like can um, direct you to like integral care and different things in your area. So mm -hmm. I put together a team a walk team right now it's just my family <laughs> maybe more people are joining but my, there you my, go. my mom my sister my niece my niece's name is harmony and that's actually part of the reason i named it harmony mental health because i don't want her to that's go through gorgeous. the same things that i went through um mental illness is hereditary and um yes. i don't want 
I, she's such a sweet, beautiful young girl. And if I can help anybody, I would love to help, you know, my niece if, yeah. if she goes through any struggles. And, um, but so I named the group, the walk group Harmony Mental Health after mm -hmm. my blog. But, um, so the walk will be September 29th and mm -hmm. they can go to the NAMI website. Where is the link? And then, um, you can search Austin and it's namiwalks.org. So mm -hmm. N-A-M-I walks, W-A-L-K-S.org. RG mm -hmm. and then my specific link is uh, hold on. I think you had on your Instagram go go yeah. check your bio <laughs> it's on my Instagram but um just put in harmony mental health in the Austin walks and you can donate um it should be a simple search or link but um yeah I'm raising money to donate to NAMI we're gonna walk the morning of September 29th mm -hmm. and so yeah that'd be, be perfect and i kind of i want to um leverage a little bit on what you said about your niece because i really did want to ask you it's like um now that you you know how bring your awareness in the community and how are you bring awareness in your family because you've actually opened the door for everyone to say it's okay for us you know to seek help because it is hereditary and depending upon it could skip a generation but it may catch oh, up yeah. with the next person you know so how are you bringing awareness in your family and I know it's a difficult topic, especially as black people, we suffer in silence. And that's part of the reason why I named my, my podcast Silent Symptoms, because we do suffer in silence so much. Like we could be sitting right next to each other having the same problems, but we will never talk about it because that is a taboo. So what about family? Whew. Well, I actually had that conversation today. So I have a twin brother and um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I'm we're I'm trying to reinstate we used to have family meetings and talks and stuff we kind of got away from that so mm -hmm. I'm trying to when my I myself have you know improved my communication skills and it's completely um visible to my family that I, I'm making some changes and so mm -hmm. them seeing the changes in myself they're like huh well maybe we can communicate better because oh, there's some poor communication sometimes. And it's just like <laughs> mm -hmm. People shut down or people get defensive for no mm -hmm. reason. So I'm trying to, the lessons I learn in therapy, I'm trying to bring them to our communication as a family. And yeah. so um, I'm hoping, <laughs> you know, it, it it's going to take time, but I'm hoping yeah. eventually <laughs> we, we're going to get to a better place of being able to communicate better. Yeah, that's definitely important, like coming together as a family to learn the symptomology and, you know, you bring in awareness, maybe that's going to encourage everybody to come together and do the things that are important for you guys to move forward as a unit. Us family, we like to sweep it under the rug, sweep it under and, the rug. Yeah, and not repeat behavior patterns. That's mm -hmm. what I was telling my brother. Like, we don't have to repeat behavior patterns that we've seen or mm -hmm. or just ignore like issues or symptoms or things going on. We don't have to do that. I mean, right. it's going to be a little difficult at first, but once you get the groove of it, it'll yeah. be like You'll be swimming through it. Like you'll be <laughs> like a little fish. Yeah. So it'll be fine. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in and thank you so much, Brooke, for sharing your story and how can people reach out to you so that they can know more about you and your efforts to help black mental health and mental health in general. So the best way would be to go to my Instagram, mm -hmm. um, Harmony Mental Health 
on Instagram. And in my bio, there'll be a link to my blog. Sometime I'll put the, like if I'm doing something with the Urban League or with NAMI, there'll be, mm -hmm. I'll put that link up there. But through that way, just direct message me and then like how we got in touch directly yes. and we can, <laughs> we can start a conversation. If I can help in any way, if I can give people information of how to search for therapists in their area or how to navigate the insurance, like what I've learned, I'll probably <laughs> write a blog about that. Soon. <laughs> oh, Definitely no, blog about that because I feel like that is super important. People don't know. They think that, and I also want to mention, speaking on insurances, self-pay. Also, some therapists, if you cannot afford to pay for it, you have to research some work on a sliding scale fee, mm -hmm. meaning that, you know, they're working according to your income. If you're indigent or if you make a lot of money, obviously, yeah. you're going to pay the highest price. But if right. you're not making a lot of money, then you can actually pay at a discounted rate. Some some sessions can go for $10. Some sessions can go oh, for $15, $20. Most people yeah. shy away from therapy because I ha they have said, I don't have any insurance. You have to pay it's a whole a lot of money. It can be a bill. And I was yeah. like to try to fit that in your budget. It's so important. You got to fit that in your budget. Yes. It's just like any other thing. Just like you fit in that entertainment, you can fit in your mental health because it's going to help you, you know, within the long run. So I would definitely be looking forward to that blog. So I'm going to hold you <laughs> accountable and say, Brooke, tell these people about how, you know, they can, you know, look out for insurances and how they could get in contact with a therapist. Okay. Yeah. So thank you so much for tuning in. So you guys make sure you support Brooke because she's doing great things in her community and, you know, trying to advance the efforts of black mental health. Okay. Thank you so much for tuning in thank to you. black mental health. And um, this is silent symptoms of black mental health podcast. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. You can catch us on Anchor and all your favorite media streams. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Silent Symptoms Podcast. Let us know if you have any feedback or topics that you would like to hear.